Say hello to a new friend On an old road Take a two-lane trip of memories Into mysteries unknown Come along for the ride Jim Hinckley's America Jim Hinckley's America Hey, good morning, my friends. A little bit of road trip inspiring music here from Joe and Woody and the boys of the road crew on this frosty winter's morning. We've had a bit of a chill here this couple last couple weeks. It's uh, yesterday's adventure in search of the uh, Western Air Express Terminal. We set out at about 24 degrees for our desert adventure. This morning, it's warmed up. It's a balmy 29 degrees here in Kingman, Arizona. Studios of Jim Hinckley's America within spitting distance of legendary Route 66. How's everybody doing this beautiful, beautiful morning? Good morning, Miss Maggie. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the trials and tribulations of the published author. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, a lady... Uh, she was a fledgling, a novice writer, and uh, she went viral because uh, she posted her disappointment that her at a book signing, she had over 30 people say they were going to come, and two showed up. And people like uh, Stephen King and others responded and uh, kind of let her know the nature of things. And, and that sparked a lot of conversation through Jim Hinckley's America. The perceptions of writing. Writing has never been an easy way to make a dollar. And for every Stephen King, there's thousands and thousands of writers that they get the name on the cover of a book and uh, that's it. And there's tens of thousands of others that never even make it that far. I'm counted, I suppose, among the fortunates. I've uh, written and had published uh, over 20 books now. And... Uh, well, it's uh, profitability is 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 uh, been elusive, but there's a caveat to that. The profitability of money has proved elusive, but the profits of adventures, of friendships, friends that have become closer than family. To me, that's the real profit, and that is priceless, and. Uh, well, month of December is an example of what I mean by uh, priceless. Uh, we did a book signing at Auto Books, Aero Books, the classic bookstore in Burbank, California. Jay Leno showed up. Usually shows up at my book signings there. We talked a bit. He's driving his Duesenberg. That's pretty amazing. The the uh, I was able to assist the Singleton Foundation in California this year. And uh, they were put together a gift basket, a uh, cooler, if you will, an ice chest, an old, uh, modern type ice chest, small ice chest, and uh, as a gift for friends and benefactors of the Singleton Foundation. That gift included 170 of my books. I met the uh, most fascinating young lady named Michelle. 
her uh she brought the books up there to Burbank for us to sign. So we had an impromptu book signing in the parking lot of the Safari Inn Motel there in Burbank. And uh, her father had baked us a loaf of pumpkin bread. That was really nice. This will give you an idea. Uh, the theme for their gift baskets this year from the Singleton Foundation was celebrating Route 66 road trips. And a little card that's in the cooler. Quote, we wanted to share some of the cool treats you might find if you take a trip on Route 66 or just to enjoy over the holidays in front of the fireplace. First, cuddle up with your Route 66 car blanket or spread your picnic out on it. In the cooler, you will find cups, plates, bowls, silverware, picks, and napkins. And while you're planning your trip with a AAA Route 66 America's Highway map and discovering Jim Hinckley's Backroads of Route 66 book. Uh, see, to me, it was in a... The, the monetary profits on that were marginal. I spent far more on that trip. But how do you put a value on knowing that you've inspired people to take a road trip, that you've got your books in the hands of some very influential people, that you've been able to help reward influential people for making tremendous contributions? And how do you place a reward on getting to visit with Jay Leno and uh, when he drives up and the last one owner Duesenberg. Absolutely priceless. The challenges of writing, of making a dollar with a written word, it's, it's an adventure. Uh, I spoke to a group of young prospective journalists a while back, and uh, they asked me, you know, about the, the, the talents that you need. Well, you need talent. But you know, this is about 80 to 90% contacts. And then you get to put your talents to work. Uh, if I was to boil this down, what you need to be a successful writer, a successful author, you need to have a thick skin. You need to have flexibility. You need to be able to think fast. You need to witness, you need to uh, avoid myopia opportunity abounds at every turn uh, a great example is uh, two weeks ago i was uh, asked to write uh, a three-part series promoting aviation history here in in uh, mojave county i'm being paid for each feature uh, the features are to promote a big air show coming up in the Colorado River Valley here shortly. And, uh, well, this led to other conversations. Those conversations led yesterday's expedition to search out the site of the pioneering uh, Western Air Express Terminal here in Kingman, Arizona. The Western Air Express Terminal is uh, was a pioneering company late 1920s they were doing here in the southwest and central america they were doing uh, passenger service mail service and freight delivery by air well yesterday's adventure and discovery not only gave me adequate material to write for these uh, some of these features but it gave me fodder for some other writing projects uh the the, the monetary 
end of it has been relatively elusive. As far as making money directly from writing, picking up money from other things like speaking engagements, consultation, helping develop tours, tourism work, uh, putting together things for tour companies. My uh, European travels all stem from the book writing. So book writing opens the doors. And let's turn this into a bit of a therapy session this morning, especially therapy for me. So how did this all begin? Well, let's give you some ideas. Uh, I've always, always loved books. I mean, just as long as I can possibly remember. Uh, my allowance was spent when I was a young, young man, uh, 12, 13, 14 years old. Uh, my money, my allowance, my money I picked up with odd jobs. That was always spent on buying books and 78 RPM records. I was probably the only 13, 14-year-old kid in the United States that was listening to Glenn Miller, uh, Jimmy Rogers, the Tennessee Sea Blue Yodeler, and uh, uh, the Andrews Sisters, things of that nature. See, I was always an odd oddity there. Well, I still, I still try to read books. Uh, two to three books a month on a diverse array of subjects. I'm reading a, a currently reading a, a Lucas Davenport novel, one in the uh, written by uh, in the series written by John Sanford. I don't give my time much to nonfiction reading. I'm also reading a book about uh, D-Day, and I'm also uh, just finishing up a book that was given to me by a friend from New Zealand. New Zealanders' perspective on the United States. And uh, so I try to read two to three books every month, diverse array of subjects. I've always had a passion and fascination for history, uh, old cars, automotive history. Uh, we won't go too deep into that this morning, but that stems from a quest to wanting to know more about my family in Jackson, Michigan. Well, back around 1990, my dearest friend, my dear wife, Judy, oh, I think she's up for sainthood this year. She's put up with me for close to 40 years, right at 40 years now. She encouraged me. She said, Jim, you know, you should try writing. You, you, you know, you something you've wanted to do. And I never really thought of myself as a writer. I always entertained visions of that. But I never thought of myself as that. I was always blue collar. Well, Judy encouraged me. And so, uh, well, I came across an interesting wrecking yard down near the Mexican border. Milo's Ford Auto Parts. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, you know, this would be an interesting story. Now, I have a tendency. It's, uh, it's a shortcoming, if you will. It's served me well over the years, and it's created a, a ton of frustrations. I'm one of those people on Christmas Eve, I put the bicycle together without instructions. I step back, and I notice that the handlebars are where the seat goes. That's when I get out the instructions. Well, I approached writing the same way. Apparently, you're supposed to send a query letter, uh, an outline for your story, you know, this kind of thing. And go through certain professional steps, if you will. Well, instead, I, I had a subscription my wife had gotten me to Hemmings, 
special interest autos uh, put out by Hemings Motor News. One of the top automotive publications in the United States at that time, still a very big publication. Um, I simply called the editor. Much to my surprise, I got put through. Even more surprising, uh, we talked for a while. He liked the idea and he said, send, send it along. I typed up a story on a 1948 Underwood typewriter. I had some pictures that I had taken with my 35 millimeter $20 camera from Kmart. I put the whole thing together. This is the era snail mail back 1990 and uh, sent it all off. Much to my surprise, about six weeks later, I received a thank you card and a check for $250. Now, even at this point in my life, I no longer believed in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. But I couldn't help but think, wow, I'm going to be able to quit the day job. I'm going to become a writer. Well, well, well. Reality set in shortly after that. Uh, I went to the library. I got some books on how you become a writer, how you sell your published work, and uh, started following all the steps. And I collected rejection notices for more than a year. Uh, then I started writing for the local newspaper. I started writing a automotive column and a travel column. It started out as $15 a week for a small feature for the paper. And this was my next step, uh, educational step. I learned that people have a perception of writers that's much different than the reality. People would approach my wife and I at the store and tell me how much they appreciated the articles, how much they enjoyed them, how much they were inspired to take a road trip because of the articles. And they would usually end the conversation with something like, I can't imagine how wonderful it would be to have a job where you get paid to travel. Like I said, I was making $15 a week. And then when I started building quite a following, I got boosted up to $25 a week. The perception didn't fit. Well, I started picking up other odds and ends. I started writing for uh, Old Cars Weekly. Uh, then I, I, I got to know a fellow named uh, Brad Bowling. We've had kind of an on-again, off-again professional relationship over the years. He was the editor for that magazine, and uh, I wrote some features for the publication. I was introduced by a friend of mine who was a published author in California. This brings us to the point about having contacts. Uh, a friend of mine in California uh, kind of an eccentric, if you will, because he's a young man at the time that drove a 1950 DeSoto everywhere. And I mean everywhere, from California to North Carolina, from his home in California to Minnesota. He liked the old stuff. He introduced me to Brad, and then I started writing for uh, uh, Old Cars Weekly, throwing out a feature, an article here and there. I had a day job to support the writing habit. Uh, then I started writing for other publications here and there. Brad left uh, Old Cars Weekly, and he went to Cars and Parts. At that time, a very venerable old magazine that was about 45, 50 years that they had been in business. And he reached out to me, and the next thing I know, I have a job as associate editor 
and I'm writing a monthly column called The Independent Thinker, profiling people that, that contributed to the auto industry, people you've never heard of, like Ralph Teeter, the blind inventor that uh, came up with the idea for cruise control. Well, uh, like I say, it paid a little better than just the little weekly features, but it wasn't enough to quit the day job. Then a small publishing company called Iconographics approached me to do a book on the checkered cab manufacturing company. This would be my first book, another tremendous learning experience. And it showed, uh, coincidences are a big part of life. And uh, it was quite astounding, I, right at coincidences. And being able to uh, recognize the importance of them and capitalize on them, that's a big part of the writing experience. Checker is a very obscure company. They were very reclusive. Uh, people all over the world know Checker, taxi cabs in New York City and whatnot. The cars were almost identical from late 1950s until they ceased production in 1982. But few people realize that the company dates to the early 1920s. And it didn't take me long. Of course, this was around 2000. It wasn't, we were still doing a lot of snail mail and library research. And it didn't take me long to learn that this was going to be a challenge. I had accepted this contract without doing my homework. Now I'm, I'm obligated. And the material and the information about Checker, oh, it's scarcer than hen's teeth. It's like trying to find a frog that has knowledge about tap dancing. It was not a pretty picture. But I'll be damned. You know, uh, I reached out. There was a Checker club, Jim Garrison in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I reached out to him. And much to my amazement, they were hosting a gathering of Checkers that summer at the Gilmore Auto Museum in Hickory Corners outside of Kalamazoo. I had an invitation, I, so I made travel arrangements. I got to meet with checker owners. I got the contacts. I got a hold of never-before-published photographs, and I got to photograph some of the rarest of rare checkers, such as the 1940 Model A checker with a retractable Landau roof. This is one it's the only one known to exist. Small book. It wasn't, uh, you know, like uh, Gone with the Wind. It wasn't a, a game changer. But that book would later land me an interview with Jay Leno. And uh, at his garage. And uh, Jay quipped that he had to be one of the five people that bought the book. And I couldn't resist. I told him, no, you're one of the seven people who bought the book. Well, fast forward a few more years, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm picking up a few dollars here and there. I'm meeting interesting people. I'm getting interesting stories. I'm building a reputation, but I still have a day job. And uh, the day job is rapidly becoming, I'm at a crossroads, if you will. I can't develop the writing any further it's on my limited schedule and my day job was consuming more and more hours i was working a six and a half day work week 
and I was on call 24-7. I was leasing trucks, and I was in charge of uh, northwestern Arizona region. So any trucks that broke down 1, 2 in the morning, I had to take care of. Once again, my dear friend, my dear, dear Judy, she she encouraged me. She says, you know, if we tighten our belt, if we cut this, if we do that, but we can do this. We can make this. And that's about the time we decided we, we had started this little outfit named Jim Hinckley's America. Weren't sure. wasn't even sure what the heck it was. It morphed into two, three, four different things over the years. Uh, it's, but the primary goal was to uh, promote me as a writer, sell books. But in the process, I wanted to uh, share America's story. And uh, there became a running joke that I was pretty good at telling people where to go. So that became our tagline. Oh, gosh. So it's been close to 10 years now. I walked off the steady job and uh, we put it all on the table. It has been one hell of a wild ride to draw back from my, my time when I thought rodeo was a good idea. The chute's open. We cinched her down tight, and that eight-second ride when you're when you come out of that chute seems like an eternity. Well, the same with this. Uh, we have had some unbelievably bad financial months, but we have had some uh, just incredible <coughs> adventures. We've had uh, tour companies that I work with pay for me to come to the Netherlands and speak at a holiday and tourism trade fair. Uh, And I've had to learn a lot. One of the problems with getting older, we become more rigid with the passing of time, and uh, it becomes more of a challenge to adapt. The world changes. Well, to keep this thing afloat, I had to learn how to develop what we're doing right now. I had to learn about podcast. Is it... Uh, professional polish. No, this is Mayberry Television, its finest. I did some live stream programs, which we are talking about doing again. Uh, I learned about social media, got locked out of my account with eight, almost 8,000 followers. Uh, I learned, had to learn how to build a website, not and not just once, but I've built four websites. And uh, three of them I had to tear down and do away with acknowledge they were insufficient. I had to learn that a website has to be functional, not only just on your computer, but it has to primarily work on tablets and smartphones. Totally different animal. I tried self-publishing. It is out there. If you're a fledgling author or writer, you can do it. The thing to keep in mind is twofold. Number one, We are all blessed with gifts and talents. We have an obligation and responsibility, if you will, to develop those gifts and talents. And the reason is not just financial. It's so we may be a blessing unto others. If you happen to make a million dollars while you're developing that gift and talent, well, God bless, ain't that special? That's good. But the primary thing is that you have a responsibility to develop that gift and talent. And the other thing is, keep in mind that writing itself may not provide the finance that you're, finances that you're looking for. 
but it'll open the doors for a just countless array of adventures, the meeting of the most fascinating people, and you'll find other ways to pick up a dollar. The, the, the challenge is being flexible and embracing change, trying to find a way with minimal amount of frustration, if at all possible, to take advantage of new technologies and harness things. Uh, a quick example and a perfect example in my book is uh, it took me a while and I still am not a master, but I can use Word somewhat proficiently. And for someone who started writing books and magazine articles and carbon paper and a typewriter, I'll tell you what, there's no going back. Uh, it doesn't have the romanticism, the listening to the clickety-click of typewriters, but writing with a uh, word processor, damn good. And it's all like this. You know, during COVID, we had to learn to use Zoom and things. It's never been easier to make money uh, for the for the for a writer for a fledgling writer uh, for almost anything. It's never been easier to make money, but it's never been harder. The competition is is more intense than ever before. The learning curve can be absolutely overwhelming at times, and the learning curve. Is, is a massive time sink. The challenge is to find out where you need to invest your time. Facebook, social media, it's an important part of, the, of, of marketing yourself, selling your book, selling yourself. But as I've learned with my account being locked, you have to have a plan A, B, and C. You can devote tens of hours every day just to Facebook and social media. doesn't work that way. You got to get out. You got to do things. You got a glad hand and you got to come up with different things. And uh, I see it all the time. And that's part of the frustration. I'm missing a component or two. But that that in itself, chasing that, that's part of the adventure. That's what kept the old prospectors out in the desert dragging their mule uh, in the search of treasure was all about. The big strike is over the just over the next hill and just over the next hill. To button this up, I want to encourage anybody who has dreams of writing, do it. If nothing else, do it to satisfy yourself. And like I say, if you have that gift and talent, you got to develop it. Well, before we wrap this thing up, do we have any questions? Any thoughts? Any ideas? Next week, uh, of course, uh, our program will be on Christmas morning. And so it's only fitting that uh, we talk about Christmas holidays, uh, Christmas traditions, Christmas celebrations through history, a little Christmas program. I uh, hope you'll invite your friends and uh, let's share those memories. If you can't be on the program, uh, <coughs> send me your ideas, send suggestions, send the things that you remember about Christmas traditions, and we'll talk about that next Sunday. And, of course, next week on Car Talk from the Main Street of America, 
uh, our podcast that is published on our recorded podcast that's recorded on Sunday, or excuse me, published on Friday mornings. We're going to have a little bit of a little automotive for you. Do you know what happened? It turns out it was a, uh, in hindsight, it was a pivotal time in history. Christmas Day, 1873, Switzerland. Something happened on that date that would change automotive history. Talk about that on Car Talk from the Main Street of America. My friends, until we meet again, stay warm out there. Uh, the old Carpe Diem seize the day, my friends. Seize the day. Take care. Until we meet again, my friends, fire con Dios and adios. Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories Into mysteries unknown Come along for the ride Jim Hinckley's America Jim Hinckley's America